Welcome to Self to Society. My name is Dennis. I'm your host. It is late on this Tuesday evening that I'm recording. I'm in my office way alone after office hours with a trusty glass of Knob Creek and tired eyeballs <laughs> and a full heart. Um, my... <clears throat> My love for storytelling runs very deep, and one of my one of the fav- my favorite things about this podcast is the opportunity for me to weave in narrative, true story, uh, as well as opinion and experience. I'm really really grateful to have this platform, and I'm super honored anytime that people take the time to listen to the podcast. Uh, I'm personally a fan of Joe Rogan. I love, I love listening to his podcast and the way that he will, uh, engage. Sorry. I'm yawning. (laughs) Oh man, there's that. (laughs) Uh, I, I love the way that he will engage his guest. Um, I love the thoughtfulness that he puts into his statements or his questions. And I, honestly, I don't look up to many people. Um, Joe Rogan happens to be one of the people who is a communicator that I find value in. And so I listen to his podcast quite a bit. And one of the things that I love about the Joe Rogan experience is how all over the place it is. Um, so his guests are a wide range, everywhere from professional fighters to astrophysicists, uh, comedians, authors. Um, he he gets to run the gamut of conversation that he can have. And while I really respect that, uh, I'm also grateful for this platform that we share where it's uh, quick to the point and we get in and we dialogue a little bit uh, and then we move forward. And so with today's episode, I want to use it more as a narrative uh, piece, as more of an opportunity for me to share a story because I believe uh, and I, not just that I believe, but one of my dear friends, Tomas, says the distance between any two humans is their story. Uh, and the, there's probably no more true statement than to understand that the shortest distance between two humans is simply their story. And so uh, that's kind of what I want to do tonight. I... I as you guys know, I show up here ready and willing to give part of my soul to you, and I'm grateful for the opportunity, and so tonight I want to let you get to know me a little bit more. So I'm going to tell you a story. There was a boy who didn't know any other way to see the world than in bright, shining colors, half-full glasses, Smiles, laughter, and sunshine. The shades that surrounded that boy were oftentimes dull or dark, painful, 
and loud, addictive, and unpredictable. The boy, like most others, needed to cope. The boy needed a way to take out what other people were putting in. And that boy chose poetry. The kind of poetry that surfs along rhythm and rides the rhyme. The kind of poetry that only a basketball can keep the tempo of. The kind of poetry where the squeak of a sneaker and the boom of an 808 are the only things that keep it centered. And this is a true story. Growing up, I uh, was in a home where there was a lot of drug addiction, abuse, alcoholism. And as I grew into being a young boy, um, I didn't know what to do with all of the things that I was experiencing. I, I think I'm generally optimistic. I think I have an opportunity to see the glasses half full, even if it's a third, even if it's two thirds empty. And, and one of the greatest gifts that I ever received in this time in my life is my ability to be resilient. But I had friends, I had help. My, those friends that I had were a basketball and hip-hop music. I gravitated towards those things as an ability for me to release all of the chaos that I felt inside. And I gravitated towards those things as a way to somehow express the violence and the anger that I couldn't, I couldn't dare take out on another human. So growing up as a white kid in different parts of Phoenix, uh, I often found myself as the minority in schools and neighborhoods that were primarily Hispanic. Um, I have always gravitated naturally towards, um, well, in this case, kids, kids that were African-American, Hispanic, uh, the first kids that I gravitated towards were, they weren't, they weren't my same color. They didn't speak like I thought I should speak. They didn't, um, move with life the way I thought I should move with life. And I fell in love with hip hop music and basketball. Um, those two things for me are not just what they seem to be on the surface. Uh, a basketball is is not not in any way a basketball. <laughs> um, hip-hop music is in no way hip-hop music, and I, I swear to God that I will not... <laughs> um, I will not misappropriate my race in this podcast. However... I understand the same freedoms that tens of thousands of young children across America, despite their color, have experienced with the appreciation and the love for 
hip-hop music, rap music, R&B, sports, basketball. It was basketball for me. For some others, it's football. For some, it's baseball. But my growing up... Um... Part of my resiliency was my ability to find an outlet. So uh, in the midst of my home, where, as I mentioned, all of the things that existed in that home, I, I really did gravitate. I played basketball every single day. From the time that I was big enough to hold one and shoot one, every single day day I played basketball. I worked on my crossover. I dreamt of being Kevin Johnson. The amount of times that I ran up to about the 15 foot line, dribbled the ball between my legs, stopped and shot the ball is is, uncountable. In in unnumerable amount of times did I do that. Uh, From an early age, I started listening to hip hop music, R&B, Rap, um, Doggy Style by Snoop Dogg was the first CD that I ever bought with my own money. I remember listening to Ice T, his Body Count record, um, Ice Cube, uh, Easy E, even like Run DMC. Oh man, um, And there was something so poetically freeing about hip-hop music because what I was able to do, despite where I lived, despite my race, despite different parts of my circumstance, I was able to share a story with somebody. I was able to sit on the other side of the speaker and share in the narrative. Ooh. I still listen to primarily hip-hop music today. Uh, it is, it's freedom for me. It's life for me. It's poetry. It's creative. It's, uh, it's empathetic. It's compassionate for me. I still play basketball, despite all the damn gray hair in my beard, um, because it also is empathetic for me. It's poetic. It's therapeutic. It reminds me of my resiliency it gives me a safe place. And I think if there's anything that I can relate these two things to, it's having a safe place. It's the reality that I found somewhere safe to be. But the really interesting thing about narrative is this. The interesting thing about narrative is how regardless of your socioeconomic status, your race, your gender, your level of oppression, your level of abuse, your level of uh, privilege. The same narrative can grasp all of those people by the throat and hold them tightly. And the reason I share a little bit about this basketball and hip hop relationship that I had and and do so in a little bit of a poetic manner is simply because it saved me. 
And I hope that that doesn't sound trite or off-putting. But when you when you're seven years old and you meet your dad's drug dealers, plural, and you don't know that they're drug dealers until a few years later, uh, and you experience the very confusing reality of an addict and somebody who's emotionally unhealthy, you're grateful for anything that got you through without making some really fucked up decisions. And I, well, I have made some really fucked up decisions. (laughs) Let me take that back. What I mean is growing up, I didn't lean into uh, crime and rebellion. Uh, I was quite the thief when I was young. I'm very fortunate that I didn't ever get caught. Um, I'd stole a lot of shit though. Um, so in this time, like outside of thieving, uh, which I didn't do on necessarily a grand scale, but I did it a lot. I wasn't, I wasn't fighting. I wasn't, um, getting fucked up in drugs and drinking really young. I really was mostly confident in the relationship that I had with my basketball and hip hop music. The reason that I believe this matters at all is because even as a 36-year-old man, I find freedom in the very same things. And it, what it made me think of today is where we find our comfort, where we go to for resiliency, where we, where our natural place to turn is, uh, because that probably stays the same or close to as we get older, unless we choose to change it. And what, what I guess I want you to gather from this narrative, and, and hopefully you can be a part of this narrative with me, is I want you to ask yourself what it is that you bend towards. What do you lean on uh, when fucking shit hits the fan? What happens Um, I've been close to people who have OD'd. Uh, I've been close to people who have committed suicide. I've been close to people that have a, a really unhealthy relationship with drugs and or alcohol. Um, and my hope, my my greater hope is that in the, in the case of this narrative, we can find something safer. I don't even know if that makes sense. Uh, my, my hope is that we can find a place to rest that is safe, that is whole, that is healthy, that is expressive, that is musical or literary or colorful that is uh, drenched in science or mathematics that permeates the human experience in such a way that we can't help but be completely indulged in it for our own good. I'm thinking about this because I don't have too many hobbies. There aren't too many things in my life that 
I do just for fun. Um, I play basketball. I listen to hip-hop music every day. I've started drawing on occasion. But as a 36-year-old father of two, I want to be the example that it's okay to have hobbies and it's okay to do something that might just strictly be for my own mental health and well-being. I don't know your story. I don't know where you come from. I don't know the neighborhood you grew up in, the family you grew up in, the house. I don't know the abuse that you've experienced. I don't know the amount of times that you've had to pick yourself up by the bootstraps and say, let's fucking keep moving. What I do know is that I've had to do that for myself. And what I'm begging of all of us is that we find that thing or those things that allow us the freedom to be ourselves in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the hardship, that we can have a a companion to resilience. Because being resilient is a gift and it's a gift that takes a, uh, it might also be a skill. <laughs> Maybe it's both. Um, it's a gift that becomes wielded like a skill. Like we have to keep it sharp. We have to pay attention to it. We have to focus on it. We have to remember that it in fact exists. And so... <clears throat> While sitting in my office with no one else around, the only thing that I could think that had any value to share for 20 minutes of your life was simply a narrative of resilience. And my narrative isn't done, and your narrative isn't done, and so long as we're breathing and engaging into the world, we are in fact continuing to be resilient. Resilience isn't something that starts and stops. It's not, it's not something you do when you're a kid and then once you become an adult, it's over. Resiliency is continuation of your sanity, of your health, of the way you treat the people around you, of the way that you manage your body and your mind, the way that you balance Uh, your consumption of substances. Resiliency is, in fact, the gold fucking crown that you wear for being here. I hope I don't over-dramatize that. That's not my intention. I really do believe, though, that without a certain um, refining of our resiliency... Some of us could cave quicker than others, but it's because we've taken the time and the energy and the self-evaluation to keep looking at ourselves in the mirror and say, motherfucker, you are worth it. You are powerful, you're charming, you're beautiful, you're smart, you're you're quick-witted, you're creative, whatever it is about yourself that you say, you're sweet, You're compassionate, you're empathetic, 
continue to say those things and remember that they are not simply bland, empty statements, but they are statements of resiliency that continue from one narrative of being a younger person learning to cope into being an adult who not only has to cope in some way, but also is responsible for bills and a job and maybe kids and friends and family and so many other responsibilities than we had as kids. And it's only because your your skill of being resilient that we move forward and we hustle hard and we don't quit. And I'm fucking super proud of you. I'm really fucking proud of you for being resilient, for staying the course, for moving forward. Because I know as well as you do that some days are not as easy as others. Man, this took a weird turn. I'm into it. Uh, I appreciate you guys listening. I'm always open for your questions or comments. Uh, Please give some feedback if you have any. I'm going to go ahead and tune off because I'm over my 20-minute limit. And uh, thank you very much, friends. We'll do this soon.